you know, they always say you can't pour from an empty cup. And so I think as a coach, my biggest challenge has been figuring out how do I keep myself at like my best mentally and emotionally and physically to be able to pull that out of my dancers. Welcome. I'm Bree, And I'm Natasha. On Beyond the Marley, we bring you exclusive interviews with some of the biggest names in the dance team world. Each episode features an engaging conversation with top professionals who share tips and tricks for success and powerful stories that will leave you feeling inspired. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started in the dance team world, Beyond the Marley podcast has something for you. Today, we have a very special guest who has made a significant impact in our dance team industry. Our guest today is a legend in our arena, and we are so honored to have her with us today. Throughout her career, she has had tremendous success leading the way in the dance team industry, but most importantly, our guest is known for her passion and for creating intentional championship cultures, which drive the team that she works with to push boundaries and overcome challenges with grit and determination. Amanda Gaines is entering her 12th season as the coach of the 21-time UDA national champion and three-time world champion University of Minnesota dance team. Growing up, training and competing in all styles at her studio and high school dance team in Minneapolis, Minnesota, Amanda went on to attend the University of Minnesota, where she was a captain and choreographer of the dance team her senior year. After graduating, she jumped right into coaching and continued choreography with high school, high schools, colleges, and all-star programs around the country. She has taught camps, clinics, master classes, and has judged all over the world and is excited to share her passion for dance. We are so excited to have Amanda Gaines on today. Hi, oh my gosh, what an intro. That was, wow. And I feel like that still doesn't encapsulate everything that you are and the impact that you've had on the dance team industry as a whole truly well thank you yeah it's been um you know i think it's it's fun to think it's crazy to think like when you look back to starting dance as like a three or four year old to like still now being in my late 30s and still being able to be involved in the dance community at such a level and you know, looking back, I don't think I ever really saw this being my path, but it's it's kind of amazing and feels like I'm right where I'm supposed to be. So it's good. It's good. Yeah. Well, we're, again, really excited to have you and welcome. So our very first question is a question we ask all of our guests, and it comes from the book that John Wooden wrote on leadership. And in there, he quotes Walt Disney, who says, there's no education like adversity. So we know all about your successes that you've had, but we want to know what has been your biggest struggle to get to where you are today? Well, that is such a good question. Um, And I'm a big fan of John Wooden and, you know, I read a lot of Coach Wooden's books just as a refresh for myself every summer. But I think for me, um, one of the biggest pieces of adversity has been, to be very transparent, just tackling my mental health. And I think when you are, I was really fortunate to join the University of Minnesota's team um, when they were kind of already 
uh, winning national championships. So I came into a program that was already really established and then was able to start my coaching career um, under Amber Jackson, who had obviously created this really um, successful culture um, and culture of excellence. And so I was fortunate to not really have to build a program up from scratch, right? Like I got to take part and then take over a program that already had um, really exceptional um, just execution and an exceptional culture. And there is an element of pressure that comes with walking into a program like that. And so I know when I first took over as head coach of the program or you know, head coach of the dance team, that pressure to maintain that level of excellence was so overwhelming. And I really, really struggled with that. And I think it's tough to you know, they always say you can't pour from an empty cup. And so I think as a coach, my biggest challenge has been figuring out how do I keep myself at like my best mentally and emotionally and physically to be able to pull that out of my dancers. And that is not struggles I've had with that. And I can be transparent with my team and um, be honest with them about the struggles that I have to help them with the struggles that they have and to have resources at my disposal to allow me to better navigate my mental health so I can be the best version of myself for my team. But I think that has been one of the toughest, the toughest things. Like when there is this expectation of success and whatever success looks like, right? Like success isn't always getting first place. There's so many pieces that layer into success, but when there is that expectation of success, that pressure can be so overwhelming and it can be so hard to feel like you can keep going. And so I think, you know, that is why I ended up taking a pause from my coaching career for a few years because I just was not mentally at a place where I could give the team what they needed to be successful at the level that was expected. And I knew that for them to be their best versions of themselves, I had to be the best version of myself and I wasn't at that point. And so I think being able to navigate through that and figure out, you know, what my... I guess sort of coping tactics were going to be and how I could overcome this and really finding my community and my resources that could help support me through that. That was one of the biggest pieces of adversity that I really had to navigate through um, to kind of get back to this place where I felt like I could coach at the level that was um, expected and that these that these kids deserved. So that's to really just dive into the deep personal stuff right away. But it's, um, that's kind of been my my biggest adversity. Wow. Thank you so much. Right out of the gate. We always like to dig deep. That is definitely something we do. And thank you for your honesty and just transparency. And I feel that on a whole level and everyone, every coach out there can feel that. And I commend you. And again, you lead the industry. And what you just said, if there's someone listening to this that maybe are going through that struggle themselves, this could be that 
that voice of like, oh, hey, Amanda Gaines from University of Minnesota had to take a break. Maybe I needed to do that too, you know? Um, so I have a follow-up question to that, you know? Um, we dive into the whole, you can't you can't pour from an empty cup. And, and I say that a lot. So what are some things that you do maybe on a daily basis or something that your team does that helps that? Is there... Um, is it a morning routine? Is it books? Is it exercise? Is it boundaries of when working, when not working, when talking to to your team, when <laughs> taking your own personal time, um, family? So tell us some things that have helped you get to filling up your cup. Yeah. So I think, first of all, I have the most incredible support system when I think of like my family and my friends. Most of my friends were dancers most of them I mean of of my closest friends most of us actually danced together at Minnesota and so they they truly get it and they are still my my biggest supporters the team biggest the team's biggest supporters um so I think just having that support group that I can be very transparent um a lot of my one of my closest friends um, coaches a high school team and is incredibly successful with that. And so it's really fun to have somebody that is going through similar, uh, you know, similar things and, uh, you know, being able to just bounce ideas and gut check like, am I am I losing it? Is this is this like really as big of a deal as I'm making it? So I think that support system is crucial um and again that vulnerability with your support system is crucial uh like i said my family is so supportive i actually don't have family in minnesota um but they are still my biggest fans they travel down to nationals they come to football games i talk to my parents before and after every practice like i'm you know i'm i'm just i guess such a I'm still such like a daddy's girl (laughs) I call him after every practice he asks about practice he asks about the team he knows the team so I think that has been a huge piece of being able to keep my cup full I would love to say that I have a really solid morning routine it's not if you could see behind me and see what my house looks like outside of this you'd be like girlfriend does not have her life together Um, I actually work a corporate job outside of coaching, uh, which is something that I am also very passionate about. And so, you know, I have a nine to five full-time job, eight to four, seven to six, sometimes, you know, the the hours vary, but I have a full-time corporate job that I do outside of coaching. Um, And so I think having that as like a separate way to kind of use my brain, take my mind off of coaching has also been critical and while the days do get long with that I think being able to use my brain in multiple different ways and like almost compartmentalize like I I have to turn off from some of my coaching thought process processes right now that makes jumping back in easier because then I can almost come with a really fresh approach because I've had to I've had to turn that off while I'm taking a meeting about you know, a new brand coming or something like that. So I think that has also been really critical. Um, I think one thing within the team that we do to really keep our cup full, uh, and this actually isn't even something I started as a coach. This was something that um, the team started doing in the time where I was off. And then when I came back, they requested that we continue it. And it has actually become one of my favorite parts of practice. But at the end of every practice, 
we do what's called greats. So we circle up and the team um, shares what were great moments from practice, whether it was about them, something from a team member. Sometimes it's just like something funny that happened. Like my great was when Ellie fell over doing the end zone routine because she literally just stepped and tripped. And it was hilarious because how does somebody that's as coordinated of a dancer just fall while doing like a pot of array, right? So it could be something like that. It could be somebody saying, hey, like I was having a really good turn day and I finally nailed my turn section. But just having those little moments called out, just do that also really just helps keep your cup full and celebrating those little wins along the way kind of reminds you like what you're doing this for and allows you to take that step back and look at the bigger picture of like, at the end of the day, it's just dance and we're doing this because we love it, not because, you know, there's all this pressure to compete and win. That's certainly there, but we're ultimately here in the gym because we love dance and we love the people we're here with. And so that's what's most important. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you're talking about with the greats at the end of every practice. What are the greats? It's almost like, what are the wins? What are the wins of the day? And celebrating those wins as you go, I feel like is so important. Um, to just like stay present and stay grateful and stay um, loving what you do and avoiding that burnout. And that's probably why you have such a high retention rate as well, because you focus on those things. And with that, it's, it's your culture, right? Like that's a part of your culture is we focus on the wins. We focus on the greats. We support each other. We're there for each other. Can you tell us more about that? Like what is the Minnesota culture and how do you maintain that year after year after year? Yeah, so it's definitely team first, right? I think when you are bringing in dancers that are at such a high caliber and are coming from, you know, being some of the best of the best where they're coming from, you have to focus on team first. It is not about the individual. And while it is so exciting when you get really talented individual dancers, it's about what can you accomplish together. Um, I think that is actually something that's so interesting about college dance team. And I'm sure actually a lot of high school dance team coaches feel this way too. But dance is such a unique sport that a lot of these kids, like college dance team could be the first time they're actually a part of a, a true team, right? They're not growing up playing on a baseball team or a soccer team or a basketball team. And sure, maybe they're training at studio, but I think, you know, dancing at a studio is can be such a different um, experience than when you truly get in this team environment and where everybody is there focusing on the same goals. You're not worried about who's competing solos, who's who's in the small group, who's got the duet with who you know, who got first high point, it's what are we accomplishing together? And so that is kind of, you know, the first thing we do with our season is we talk about like, what do we stand for as a team? Like, what does open and honest communication look and feel like? Um, How do you hold each other accountable? What are our values? What are our expectations of each other? What are your expectations of the coaches? Because as much as coaches are you know, sitting there saying, here's what we want to see from you. I think that that kind of goes both ways, especially at the college level. Like these are young adults and 
for them to give us their best, there has to be that kind of mutual respect. And so I think, you know, creating space for them to kind of share what they need from coaches is important as well. I can't always promise that I will, you know, give them everything they ask for, but I think the chance for them to be heard is um, so value added. And so for us, like I said, it's that team first mentality and it's about creating um, those values together as a team. So it's not just the coaches, it's not just the seniors saying, this is what we stand for. It's, this is what we stood for in the past. This is what has made Minnesota, Minnesota. Now is this new group, let's create what that looks like together as this group. And so how do we build on those values that were important to us, like open and honest communication, hard work, um, you know, inclusion, uh, innovation. How do we build off of those things but create a culture that everyone in the room can create and buy in together because we're all playing a part in building what that looks like year over year? Yeah, you said it with the buy-in, right? Like there has to be that buy-in, but you have to create it and you don't get to 21 national championships by just drilling turns over and over and over again. It It's the culture and it's mental. Do you guys work with um, a sports psychologist? Do you bring people in to work with your team on culture? Do you work specifically with somebody? Um, Carl Munt has played a huge role um, in our program over the years. So I know um, he obviously was our choreographer for a really long time and Um, Something that I love about Carl, where he has really pivoted in the last few years, is just on that mental preparation and that mental toughness. And so I feel like there's a lot of tactics that I've actually learned from him that we continue to incorporate. Um, Things like visualization, right? Um, The mind is such a powerful tool. And so using things like visualization, doing breath work and kind of keeping your dancers really centered and focused and learning how to sort of um, regulate their bodies in those intense moments. So how do we put them on the spot in practice? How do we give them enough performance opportunities leading up to nationals where they can learn how they respond and react in those moments with with these pieces? So that way, by the time we get to nationals, they feel totally in control of their body and their emotions. Um, So Carl has been just an absolute game changer for myself as a coach um, and just our program as a whole. So highly recommend um, Innovate Dance. Reach out to him. He does clinics and sessions. If you've never worked with Carl, I cannot speak highly enough about him. Get him in the gym. Um, He's just a wonderful human as well. And then, you know, we leverage, um, you know, we'll bring in consultants to help us clean and drill. But I think we're also very conscious about the people that we bring in, um, being people that also buy into like the values and the culture that's important to us. Because I think when they are there, drilling skills, cleaning an eight count, fixing formations, it's how they speak to the team and how they build up that confidence and Um, that matters too, right? It's, and that's not to say that you are always positive, right? There are times where you have to, you have to be hard on your dancers. You have to 
like sometimes as a coach you're disappointed and you have to you're not doing your job if you're not being honest with your team that you're disappointed in what you're seeing on the floor but I think being just really conscious about how you are sharing that feedback and how you are expecting them to react to that feedback really helps set them up to be able to deliver at a high level not out of fear but out of passion to like uh make everyone in the circle like proud and build that trust so that's always my goal is i I never want the team to be successful because they're scared of me or scared of what's going to happen if they disappoint me i want them to be successful because they want to be successful because those are the goals they set out and they want to accomplish together um, because they know they're capable Yeah, totally. I always say love and accountability, right? Like I love you and I'm going to hold you accountable for the choices you're making. You know, it's not, it's not like you said, you're afraid of me and that's why you listen. No, like I love you and you know, I love you and that's why I'm doing this for you. Um, I like how you talked about also, you're very conscious with the people you bring in because you do have a set, you have your values, you have your culture and you need to make sure that the people you bring in, especially if it's adults coming in or older adults than college kids that it's um aligns with that right and flows how do you you mentioned carl munt who's an incredible choreographer i think everyone in the dance team industry knows him and his amazing work how do you choose um i feel like your guys's jazz style especially it changes every year so how do you choose who you bring in to do those routines with your kids well you know what that is that's a great question because i think that's like always evolving to like who's the right fit what's going to be like the next the next thing or the next style we want to go after um honestly part of it you know social media has been great because you can really start to i think it's expanded people's um scope of seeing like just how many talented choreographers and dancers there are out there so i think that's part of the fun is just like trying to stay current on like what's happening in the dance industry as a whole and obviously like you know most teachers that you see at like a jump or a nouveau or a radix like they are not coming from these dance team backgrounds so i think that's what's been so cool to see about so many college and even high school teams like how they can almost envision i bet that choreographer can do something really cool within our dance team space because it is like sort of an unknown space to a lot of dancers so and choreographers. I think you kind so of have to be willing, you kind to, of have to, be take willing to take a risk and know with that, that and know it that will be a partnership and a partnership and a routine will evolve based on how a choreographer sets it. Um, and be willing and to kind of be willing to put kind of in the work as a put coach in the work as a coach and a team to evolve to get to where it needs to get to where it needs to be sort of like the confines like of the confines of our and that's not to say not to say that a routine can't push boundaries but we also do but have we also do have a that we know like we know like you can be outside you can be outside of a box but there are still boxes you have to check those things can those things happen simultaneously things can happen right. like you can innovate right. like and push boundaries and, boundaries and boundaries still check the boxes and still check the boxes of what a score sheet is asking um, for and so i think part um, of that and so i think part of that a coach is like a coach what's out there and being what's out there and being able to visualize how visualize how this style come to this style come to within those boxes within those boxes while still outside of the box being outside of the box all right you open the door here it comes you 
You guys <laughs> did that this year at Nationals. And anyone in the dance team world, everyone after that performance was talking about the hair. The hair, the hair, the hair. Did you see? <laughs> did you see Minnesota? Yes. They wore their hair down. Oh my gosh. And it was so cool. I'm just going to commend your, like, absolutely awesome. Like, so awesome. Thank so, you. kudos to you guys. You took that risk. Tell us about the inside of what was the decision? Did it come from a choreographer? Was it, <laughs> hey, let's do this? What were your fears? Like, was there moments of, like, mm, I don't know? Because, like you just said, there is those boxes. So, it's a risk, but it's, I want to hear from you. Like, t take us through that journey of the hair. Oh, if you could have seen my text messages, like, leading up to that decision. Um, so that was not something we decided to do until um, the end of December. So, you know, we compete mid-January. And, you know, Talia had come in and set this incredible piece. We... Um, we're having so much fun working on it. You know, we were working with our um, seamstress, Elle Bauer. She was, you know, creating the costume and we were kind of starting to talk about hair and makeup. And there was just part of us that were like, a bun just doesn't feel right. Like it's, it's a little too structured for what this piece is giving. And we didn't know what the answer was. And um, a friend of mine was like, uh, somebody had mentioned to them like, oh, like I would just love to see them do a Talia piece like with their hair down. Because if you think, you know, if you think of Talia's like classes from videos and you've got her incredible assistant, Courtney Schwartz, who's got that beautiful curly hair that is always down. And she just like has so much passion when she's performing and the hair almost becomes like an added piece of the choreography. And somebody mentioned like, would you ever do the hair down? And my initial reaction was like, you're out of your mind. Like they can't do a turn section with their hair down like that. Are you kidding? Like that dance, how are we gonna keep it clean? Like there's, their hair's all different lengths. It's all different colors. I can't ask them to all like chop their hair for nationals. Like I, I can't be that person, right? And I was like, okay, we're just gonna try it, right? And so, they did a section and you know at first we didn't really have any pieces slicked back so it was all sorts of crazy um and then we kind of played with how much do we maybe like pull back and slick and they did a section and my assistant coach tia who i also just have to shout out for being like such an incredible advocate for the team and pushing boundaries and just like trusting the process we looked at each other and we're like i think think there might be something there and so I texted a lot of people just being like okay here's what I'm thinking like am I am I totally like am I gonna be making a big mistake and it was Amber Jackson actually who you know like I said was um, my coach when I was on the team and then I got to assist for a few years she actually said she's like well trust your gut first of all she's like you'll you'll know if it's right and she said I think if She's like, if it adds even a little to the routine, it's worth the risk. And I was like, I think you're right. And so we then from then on, so basically it was when we came back from winter break. So probably starting like December 27th um, is when we started practicing with it down and went through a couple different iterations of how much we, you know, pull back, 
how textured is the hair? Um, you know, how much do we want it to actually move? How, how are we feeling about the turns? We added a few more like heads and things like that to just really make like the hair snap and make it feel a little more clean. But I remember the first time we did um, our jazz routine, we always have our best of the best performance show, which is one of my favorite nights of the year. We bring in high school teams and college teams from Minnesota and some of their surrounding states. And it's the first time that these college teams really get to sort of debut their nationals routines. And we were warming up and teams were starting to walk in and you could just hear people like, oh my gosh, their hair's down, their hair's down, their hair's down. And we kind of knew too, we were like, okay, we're gonna do it down at best of the best. And if it doesn't go well, like we'll come up with another option. Um, but yeah, as soon as we saw it with the hair down, it was like, this is, this is it and we knew it was going to be a risk right we knew it might not fit the box of what some people were looking for but again it was one of those things that if it added even a little bit it was worth the risk because that is also sort of the beauty of coming in not defending right we hadn't won jazz since 2019 and so we weren't defending a title we kind of were in a place where we could take a bigger risk and really go out there because that's kind of the only way like you can get back to the top and you know we knew like i said th that it might not pan out but we were really lucky um that it did so yes it absolutely did it was the most <laughs> memorable routine of the entire weekend and just like all of the buzz around it too like what was the judges feedback after day one because i'm sure you know that TikTok video that went viral of your girl who was like, hair tie, and I was like, yes, girl, get it. But I know that that wasn't everyone's opinion. What was the feedback? So, How did that happen? <laughs> what's so funny about that is like, that actually, that even, that wasn't even like her intention. She wasn't trying to show the hair piece. Like it was kind of falling out. And so she just like kind of took it out and she was just like so caught up in the moment, but like she really wasn't trying to like, prove a point or anything and she was actually like she felt awful after the fact because she was like oh my gosh people are like creating this narrative and like this whole story and everybody thinks I was trying to prove a point and she's like I really wasn't and I'm so sorry and I was like hey you live and you learn like but like it, it really she she wasn't trying to make a statement um there was one judge who didn't like the hair down but that's, you know, that's the nature of what we do. I think every other judge, I think one judge made a comment of like, hey, maybe just pull back a few more pieces so you can get the full effect of the performance. But otherwise it was kind of a non-issue on the majority of the score sheets. And so again, I think the beauty and the danger of social media, people totally created this narrative that actually wasn't true at all. And you know, I think that's that's just what happens and that's the nature of this and it's okay but yeah I, I hate to break it to everybody but she really wasn't trying to like prove a point or like you know take that judges it really wasn't that at all she just it was kind of falling out so she took it out and was just like it because I will say like as a coach I have been going to nationals you know almost half my life now college nationals which is another thing that we don't need to talk about how long we've been doing this but that moment after Jazz finished dancing, even before they took the floor and then when they finished dancing, like I have never as a coach felt that kind of support from an entire arena. It was really 
overwhelming. Again, to the point that, like, regardless of what the outcome was, because we weren't in first going into finals. So it was kind of, that's where, you know, where you talk about success has to be about more than just a final result. Like, that was what success was, was being able to take in that moment. And even the team, so many of them have said, like, hitting that end pose and walking off and just, like, feeling the energy and, like, the crowd's support was what was so incredible about that moment. And I think that's what kind of like took her over was just like, oh my gosh, because I will also, I'll give her a shout out. Her name is Callie Hilton. She is such a sweetheart. She is one of those kids that dance team, she had no idea what she was walking into. Like she, so she's a sophomore. She just finished her sophomore year. But when she came into the team as a freshman, dance team was foreign to her. She danced at a studio growing up and was obviously incredibly talented, but this whole team thing, like our very first practice, I actually just found this out recently and I thought it was hilarious, so I will gladly share. But um, our very first, like one of our first practices in the summer, she had to go up to someone and be like, hey, can I borrow a Turner? I didn't bring one, I only brought socks. Like I didn't know we were gonna need shoes. Like she was just so like, this was just such a foreign concept to her. And so to see somebody like her then get so caught up in just like that team aspect and the support, like that's what was so cool. And so do I love that this whole narrative was creative? No, because again, it wasn't even true. But also like did I lose sleep over it? No, because I know I can't control whether everybody liked our routine or thought we should have won or whatever, right? Like that's out of my control. And I think what is so cool about the nationals competition is like everybody is truly coming with their best and everyone is so good. Everyone is polished. They are technical. They are giving these just like insane performances and they're vulnerable on stage and the choreography is incredible and it truly is a few people's opinion on one given day and on another day it could be completely different and that's kind of what happened this year right like on day one it went one way on day two it went another and I think that is what is so cool about the level of competition is that everybody is just continuing to bring their best and so you know if people want to create these narratives that's fine but at the end of the day I think everybody just wants to put their best foot out there and then if the judges fall in your favor on one day that's amazing because you know that the next day it might not go that way so that's why you have to keep working hard and keep keep pushing because it, like nothing's guaranteed at that competition because everybody is just at such an elite level. Absolutely. Do you, do you feel like that weekend compared to past that the social media was just different than I think I've, I've personally seen it in the past. I don't know what it was that was different, but I just felt there was a lot of more opinions and just um, some negativity and, and, and that's social media, but I think this was a lesson for everybody that what you see on social media is not reality and at all. And I think that it's important that people understand that and they think they know, but they don't know. 
Um, so thanks for one se- telling the story because <laughs> yeah. I think that's beautiful. So thank you. Um, but talking about social media and how that can play a role, especially like the generation that you're coaching, mm-hmm. the the college students coming in, like they've grown up in social media. How have you as a coach coached through social media? How do you, you know, do you block, do they block as athletes? Do you trust that they'll just block themselves from it? Do you set a standard? Do they set a standard for themselves? Um, how do you coach through that? Because I think coaches, other college coaches, but also all-stars, dance studio, anyone working with a young athlete, it's social media is out there and it, it's part of our coaching lives. It is. And it's it's scary because, um, well, one, I think social media has been great in terms of providing access to dance team, right? Like, I think more and more dancers now see college dance team as like a really viable option after high school because of social media. I think in terms of recruiting, it's an incredible resource to expand um, the scope of who you're reaching out to, who you're connecting with. So that is so exciting. Um, When I think about our team account and any team's account, right? Like these are highlight reels, right? And so I think it's people love to make assumptions about what they see based on what people are choosing to put on social media. But that is such a small piece of any team's season. Um, And so I think that's just a constant reminder that all young dancers need to know is that you are only seeing a small piece of the puzzle for any team. Uh, When it comes to their personal social media accounts, we definitely, you know, talk about expectations and what we consider appropriate or not appropriate to have posted. Um, You know, they are ambassadors for our university. So not only are they representing our team, but, you know, they're an extension of me and my you know, personal corporate career as well. They are representing our university. They're representing our spirit squad as a whole. Um, And they're also representing themselves, right? Like I, I'll be the first to giggle at a TikTok trend, but I'm also like, I've been there where 10 years later, you're going to look back and cringe at like, I can't believe I posted that, right? And so that's, that's, that's part of growing up, right? Like I look back at you know, I, we, I joke with them. I'm like, well, it used to just be Facebook when I was in college and we would post an album of a hundred pictures from a single night out, like with some silly title. And they're just like, oh my gosh, coach, that's so embarrassing. And I'm like, just wait, you'll be saying that about that TikTok video you made in a decade. But, you know, I think, again, that's where we set expectations, but I will hold them accountable to those expectations, but I also know like there are going to be growing pains and mistakes along the way, right? Like social media, they did grow up with social media and this is what's important to them. And, you know, I think as I've gotten older and the gap between like when I was younger and coaching, it was a lot easier to keep a pulse on what was important to the team. So as I've gotten older, it's harder to do. And I remember even when I came back a few years ago, like one of the first, it must have been like one of our first spring football games or it was something with a game day and they were in uniform and like looking all cute. And I got so frustrated because I was like, you guys, like warm up was supposed to start 10 minutes ago when you're out here taking pictures. Like, come on, we got to go. 
And that was such an easy unlock of like, okay, like they want to have time to take pictures and like capture these memories this way. So now we just build that into the schedule. Like, okay, I know I want to start warm up at 1215. Okay, you guys are going to get here at 1145. So you have 30 minutes to take pictures and then cameras and phones are put away and you're ready to go at 1215. So whatever that looks like for you to be ready to go at 1215, great. But I will build in time for you to do this thing that's important to you because this is how like this is the world you've grown up in and so you know it it works it works out in all of our favors because then they feel supported and like hey yes let me let me take your picture let me figure out how to shake the camera while you're filming the TikTok like teach me all the things you know i'm actually not allowed to post stories on our team social media account anytime i do our social media captain will delete it and repost it with like a cuter font or like a better cat. And I'm like, okay, noted. Thank you. I know I'm not, I'm not current with the trends. Um, but you know, it's like, you just, you have to build in time for those things that are important to them. And it sounds silly saying taking pictures for social media is important to them. Like it's obviously much bigger than that, but you know, I think we set those expectations and we hold them accountable to that. But we also know that, there will be learnings along the way. And as long as we help them through that, like it's my job to coach them through that. It's not my job to expect perfection. It's my job to help them learn how to recover from mistakes and how, what did you learn from that mistake and how is that going to impact decisions that you make in the future? If I'm expecting perfection from them, I'm always going to be disappointed. But if I'm just expecting a growth mentality and I'm expecting them to be open to feedback and willing to learn, that's that's all I can ask. Yeah, that's it, right? Growth mindset, helping them learn, helping them be their best and being someone that they can look up to and know they can go to. That's amazing. And those dancers are lucky they have you because not all coaches are that way. So kudos to you. And I hope your dancers realize how awesome that is. Speaking of social media, obviously, because it's a huge part in everything we do, um, have you been following along at all the like NIL stuff? And like, have does that affect any of your dancers at all? Have you seen it play a role in our industry yet? What do you think the future of that is for dance team? I yeah, I think there is a huge opportunity for that um, with dance team. Like I said. Our athletes are already used to representing something bigger than themselves, right? They they are good at like turning it on on the sidelines or at appearances. They're great at engaging with fans. They're great at performing. Um, like they are they are naturally set up to be like amazing ambassadors for a lot of these NIL opportunities. I'm actually really excited because our spirit squad is getting um, a few spots in our portal for gopher sports for gopher athletics in this upcoming season so i'll be honest like we are still very much like we are very early in the process of figuring out like what does this look like how do we help support these athletes as they learn how to take advantage of this um I would love nothing more than for my dancers to be able to make money off of social media and the following that they have that they've earned, right? Like they've they've created that fan base with 
you know, the dancing videos that they post, the content that they post, like, I think it's important that they can take advantage of that, especially when, you know, most college dancers are not getting scholarships to dance in college, right? Like, we are asking them to commit to a university without being able to offer them a lot of financial compensation. So while we can offer them an amazing experience and, you know, there's definitely aspects of, you know, financials with the season that we cover, you know, we don't expect, they, they don't pay for, you know, travel or um, uniforms or apparel. And, you know, we offer book scholarships and provide some meals throughout the year, you know, tuition and room and board is expensive, right? Like I'm not immune to that. And so I think if they can take advantage of their brands, um, the brand that they've created and make money from that, I am so excited for them to be able to do that. Um, I think dance, we just have to figure out how we can navigate through that together um, and how we can make it uh, make sense for all of us. Absolutely, absolutely. I think it's something that our industry, like that's going to be our growth coming up and for our dancers. And I really can't wait for the day that our big college dance teams get to have scholarships. It's going to come. We will do it somehow. It is. It is going. It's yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I mean, I have to applaud like there are I feel like there are so many in our industry that have done so much to really push push the way dance team is viewed within their universities. I look at, you know, what Melissa McGee has done at Ohio State and how she's been able to really build up the brand of the dance team at the university and how that has really set the tone for a lot of other universities to take to their administration. You look at what Candace has done at LSU and how they, you know, fought for that recognition. Um, There's just so many coaches and programs across the country that are kind of fighting those fights day in and day out. And, you know, and I say that I'm coming from a program, you know, I have to give a huge, huge shout out to my boss at the university, Sam Owens. He's the head coach of our spirit squad. He has been with um, the University of Minnesota for for a long time. I won't age him, but he's been there for a long time. And he has done so so much to remove boundaries and help us kind of be at the forefront of a lot of resourcing and like budget conversations with spirit squads across the country and so I've always been so fortunate because I have had him fighting a lot of these battles for me like I haven't had to go to bat for the dance team because I have Sam there doing that for me and I know not every coach in my position has that same level of support and so I feel so blessed in that respect because he has been able to remove roadblocks and it's rare that he tells me no if I come to him with an idea he's like all right how do we make that happen how much is that going to cost and how do we make that happen? Right. But we always, we always find a way. And so that's why when I look at, you know, coaches at other programs and how they have been able to remove those roadblocks and make progress, like it takes all of us kind of slowly, but surely chipping away at those boundaries. You know, all it takes is one to kind of really get through, get through that barrier to help unlock a lot of doors for the rest of us. So, you know, I just applaud all those people that don't have a Sam 
that are continuing to fight and advocate for their teams because every time somebody advocates for their team, it helps make it better for somebody else. So I think that we're just all so fortunate that we're all like fighting for the same things, even though it's like a slow and steady, a slow and steady grind. Yeah, for sure. Well, I wanted to, uh, along those lines, we're talking about branding and in uh, teams, but let's talk about recruitment. What do you, what do what does the University of Minnesota look for in recruitment? Um, what's your advice to those out there that want to join your team? Uh, where are you looking? What yeah? What can athletes do to get recognized by the University of Minnesota? Absolutely. I always say I am looking for the right dancers, not necessarily the best dancers. So obviously there is you know. A level of technique and performance and execution that is needed to compete at this level but it's not always going to be the best dancers that are the right fit for any program so the number one piece of advice i can give to dancers is first and foremost make sure the school is the right fit so you can love the dance team but you are a student athlete and you're a student first. So the school has to be the right fit. The school has to have the major that you're looking for. You have to feel comfortable on campus. You have to make sure your family is willing to take on the cost of tuition and potential travel required to make it to and from campus for all of the things that come along with being a member of the team. So I think my first piece of advice for dancers is to get to know a campus um, parallel path getting to know the campus with getting to know the team and feeling like both of those things feel like the right fit because you know there have been instances there have been some really talented dancers that I know have really enjoyed like our team events but they have been transparent to say this campus just doesn't feel like home and at that point I'm like then this is not the right fit for you like I I I can't have you come and be on my team if Minnesota doesn't feel like the right fit. So get to know the campus at the same time that you're getting to know the coach and the team. I would say um, shoot your shot, right? Like slide into the DMs, like email the teams. Like it is uh, with the recruitment process, there's always one or two people there's always a handful of people that you're like, I have never seen or heard from you before, but you're really talented and I'm excited to get to know you better. But at the end of the day, like I want people that want to represent Minnesota. And so by you reaching out and like sharing that passion and like how interested you are in in my team, in the school, like that automatically like makes me take a second look to be like, okay, like they're in this for the right reasons, not just like, let me just put out feelers everywhere and see who bites. Like if there's a school um, or a team that you're really passionate about, shoot your shot. Maybe like make sure, you know, words are spelled correctly and you've got good grammar and maybe take a quick peek at your social media to make sure that there's nothing like inappropriate that I'm going to be looking at. But, you know, like there is nothing more exciting than finding a dancer who is so excited about Minnesota. Like, you know, I will take... I will take that over a dancer that can do 10 pirouettes and is like indifferent about the school any day. Because competing is a small part of what we do. There's so many other events, games, appearances 
that make up the majority of our season. And so if you're not passionate about where you're at, it doesn't matter what the competition experience is like. Even with all of that, you get, like you say, you'll take this dancer over the dancer who can do 10 pirouettes any day. But I feel like you still get all of these insane, amazing, incredible dancers. And you just, um, you they have it all, right? They have the culture. They have the excitement to be there. And they have the 10, 13, 15 pirouettes. It's no big deal, you know? Um, how do you maintain that level of technique within those dancers, you know, after they leave their 20 hours a week of studio and they're doing the football games and the appearances and maybe not doing as much technique training, how do you maintain that high level through their college career? Oh, it is tough, right? I think as coaches, we know like time is, <laughs> time is such a finite resource and there's never enough of it. So I would love to say that you know we're doing ballet three times a week and across the floor we're not that's it's just not the reality i think you know we make a conscious effort especially in the fall season before we really dive into nationals we make a conscious effort to make sure we are still you know working on technique with across the floor combos um and doing just like combos whether it's the team you know choreographing a quick lyrical combo and teaching it or bringing in local teachers just to like you know expand who the team is working with so we make a conscious effort to do that in the fall and then definitely during spring semester when we come back from nationals basically all we do for spring semester is across the floor technique combos um, which really helps you know helps them maintain try new skills um you know i think a lot of it is as we're working skills within a routine we try to always focus and take it back to the technical execution of that it's not just like how do i get around that fast that many times it's how do i constantly recheck in with my brain and my body to make sure i'm getting around that many times with the proper technique and um, we do a lot of one-on-one -on -one feedback and watching you know again fortunate to have a team that is at such an elite level of technique that they are able to offer each other that feedback in addition to just like myself and you know tia my assistant coach so that helps with them continuing to get like one-on-one -on -one commentary and feedback of like hey you know keep that hip checked under watch that releve keep those shoulders pressed down that'll really help you get around in those turns but you know i think as we know when we get closer and closer to nationals being able to take the time to just do technique isn't always feasible so it's just how do you continue to incorporate that mindset and that mentality so they're always checking back to that base technique that they have and their um, default setting is at a really high technical level versus letting that default decrease and then having to work our way back up every spring. It's hard, but I love that you guys find a way that works for you guys. So um, one last question that we have for you and we'll wrap up. Thank you again for sharing your time. I mean, we you have a full-time corporate job. You're coaching the Minnesota dance team and I'm so grateful that you're able to take some time and share with everybody about Minnesota and coaching so our last question is what do you want your legacy to be so after you hang up it all and you're done coaching 
and you left your you definitely have left your mark on Minnesota and also the dance team industry but what do you personally want your legacy to be oh that is oh that's a tough one I think for me coaching has always been about so much more than the championships it is about the relationships and you know, that is one of my favorite things when dancers graduate or leave the program that I still get to be involved in their lives, you know, at their weddings and baby showers and, um, you know, just seeing them thrive in coaching careers or in corporate careers or as teachers or as parents. So I think, you know, I want I want my legacy to be that they know that I cared about them as individuals and humans first and as dancers second. And that because of that, that allows me to really still be involved in their lives, like when their dancing career is long done. So regardless of the championships, I want people to look back at me as a coach, as someone who invested in them as a person first and that allowed them to achieve goals, but taught them how to be, um, taught them and helped them just be a better Love human that. being. That is awesome. Well, that's great though. And that's why you are the coach you are. You leave that, I feel like that's already your legacy on the athletes you've had. It's getting me all emotional thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amanda, you've been such a gem, so many gold points um so many times I've, we have this mark clip and i keep Thank hitting you. mark 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 like this is awesome but i want to always honor you and because as leaders you, this is one one reason brie and i are like let's do this podcast because i feel like as leaders we we're in our not necessarily our bubble but we're we're serving others and like you said we need to fill our own cup and i want to fill your cup and say you are a legend in your arena and you continue to go outside the box in a safe distance and uh, take risks. But in doing so, your actions inspire those that you may not even know. They see your name and they're like, oh my gosh, what's she doing? And um, you know, you are influential and your actions and your team is so lucky to have you. And I hope they know just how grateful they are and how awesome it is to have an Amanda Gaines in their corner. So thank you so much. Oh, yeah. Thank you. That was, that is so sweet. My cup is, my cup is overflowing. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Beyond the Marley podcast. Follow us on Instagram at Beyond the Marley and like and subscribe on YouTube at Brie Choreography for more dance team content.